helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. frequently amazed when people who do not trust big corporations place all of their trust in the federal government. Some seem to think that a federal agency, unlike a private corporation, would not bow to money or political pressure. Others act like simply bestowing someone with a government job and a government paycheck means they will look out for the little guy rather than themselves. History is full of examples showing that government actors are are just ordinary men and women, with all the same grace and faults of all of us. This attitude that somehow government actors are perfect, or at least better than the rest of us, may explain why people are shocked to find out that large corporations have undue influence over our vaunted regulatory bodies, and those bodies have undue control over our lives. What is the solution to this problem? Is it to further regulate those regulatory agencies? Maybe it's to remove some of their regulatory power. Better yet, how about we realize that most of the agencies are actually unconstitutional and therefore do not legally exist? You see, if we actually read the Constitution, then we would not have allowed our representatives in Congress to create these agencies in the first place. Perhaps if we educated our elected representatives, we could get rid of this problem at the source by first defunding, then getting rid of these illegal agencies. Hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. I am so glad you could join me today. You know, as we look at the power of the regulatory state, our regulatory agencies, it helps to understand the, the Constitution, what it actually says, the actual role of the different branches of government, and, and we will discuss that as we go along. Because, let's face it, you know, the, the Constitution starts out with those three famous words, we the people. Well, if we the people aren't engaged in the process, then we the people, well, we can't be represented by our government, by at least the representative branches of government. And if those who are representing us, who are exercising our power in our name, are not representing us, well then, what kind of government do we have? Now, the first regulatory body I want to talk about actually is not a regulatory agency, meaning it's not part of the federal government. It's actually the United Nations. Now, the United Nations was created after World War II to be a, a diplomatic entity. Right, a place where countries could talk amongst themselves, work out their issues there, rather than going to war. We'd had two horrific wars on the European continent. We really didn't want to have that again. We wanted a place where they could get together. The problem is, as with so many of our human foibles, what started out as one thing has morphed into another. In other words, those there are those who thought, well, you know, the UN would be really good if we if we allowed them to do certain things. You know, then it became well, it's imperative that they do certain things. And now the things they're talking about doing is telling us what to do. Before I get into the details of that, though, I need you to understand. Um, first of all, the United the only authority the United Nations has over actual legal authority over the United States has to do with treaties we have signed, and those treaties are only valid 
if they are done under the authority of the United States, meaning the treaty is dealing with something that the Constitution is granted to the United States as an authority it can provide. For example, um, foreign commerce. We could sign a treaty, we could join a treaty with the UN that dealt with rules and regulations for, say, foreign commerce or maritime law, admiralty law. Um, we could... Um, we can establish treaties regarding um, how ambassadors are treated among the different nations, uh, things like diplomatic immunity and, and, and other things along that. In other words, only things that the Constitution, powers that the Constitution delegates to the United States can be dealt with also, can, can the United States make treaties regarding. Anything the Constitution, anything the Constitution actually forbids, well, no treaty would be the supreme law of the land, right? Because it would violate uh, Article 6, Clause 2, which says that uh, this Constitution, the laws of the United States, which shall be made pursuant thereof, and all treaties made of which shall be made under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land. So just because there's a treaty, just because it's signed by the President and ratified by Congress, or by the Senate, doesn't mean it's the supreme law of the land. It has to be within the authority of the United States. And it's a very important concept to understand because we're going to be dealing with the United Nations where a lot of stuff is done by treaty. Well, not everything is done by treaty. So the United Nations uh, is going to, is, they're proposing a conference for next year. And what they want to do is they want to create, uh, they call it an emergency platform. Uh, they want to deal with things like uh, uh, the another pandemic or or maybe a, a global climate catastrophe or even, well, let's call it the spread of misinformation. Now, reporting is saying that uh, the idea being that in some sort of global crisis, uh, this emergency platform policy would give the United Nations the ability to actively promote and drive an international response that places the principles of equity and solidarity at the center of its work. Well, at least according to the, the uh, policy proposal. So here's problem number one. Um, the United States has no authority to enter into a treaty to make such an agreement. Why? Well, let's start with the fact that uh, climate events, pandemics, those are not powers delegated to the United States. Therefore, this is not would not be under any treaty under the authority of the United States. Second of all, as I understand it in, in the uh, policy proposal, it, it would grant the, uh, the Secretary General of the United States, uh, let's call them emergency powers, right? Standing authority to convene and operationalize a response to a broad array of international crises. Well, there's a problem again. See, we the people didn't grant the United Nations the authority to tell us what to do. It's not in the Constitution. We didn't delegate to the United States the, power to, the, the authority to turn over its power to some international agency. But you see, here's where the regulatory agency's issue comes in. See, as I understand it, the member states would not be compelled legally to abide by the recommendations of the Secretary General, but they would be pressured to, quote, contribute meaningfully to the response and be held to account for delay on those commitments. In other words, it would be, it'd be just an intimidation tactic. Now, why is this important? Well, how many people in the regulatory agencies would simply say, well, the UN said it, we have to do it. 
Because let's face it, the people in the regulatory agencies, like most of the people in the United States, both in the government and in, in the nation as a whole, they have no clue what the Constitution says. They have no clue that this whole idea of giving regulatory power to an external agency is a violation of the Constitution. Therefore, any act doing it is void. Any act contrary to the Constitution is void. Those are not my words, ladies and gentlemen. Alexander Hamilton, the Supreme Court, ex parte Siebold, uh, Norton v. Shelby County, all say, uh, uh, Marbury v. Madison, all say that unconstitutional acts are void. They are empty. They are meaningless. But does anybody really think that these regulatory agencies, which already attempt to internet to uh, to uh, implement international law throughout the United States, wouldn't do this as well? Especially under pressure from the United Nations to say, "Why, United States, why are you not complying with this illegal mandate that you get rid of all gasoline vehicles, or or that you you force people to take these drugs, or you implement some sort of vaccine passport? How dare you you endanger the rest of the world? It's called our right. It's called sovereignty. And as far as I'm concerned, if you don't like it, UN, you can pound sand. In fact, better yet." Get the heck out of our country. Because this is not the only time that the, the UN has tried to effectively annex the United States. We did it with the was it the, the, the Treaty on the Rights of the Child. Um, they did one on gun control. They're forever passing these things, trying to tell the United States how to live their life. The problem is all power is inherent in the people, in us. We tell government what it can do, not the other way around. And unless and until we understand that, we'll be susceptible not only to a takeover, uh, an effective takeover by the United Nations, but our own regulatory agencies being complicit in, in, in helping them to take over the United States, to give up our, our nation's sovereignty as the United States government has tried to give, get the states to give up their state sovereignty. Now, why would they do this? Well, it, again, it invests power in the regulatory agencies. And we all know how well they've been doing lately. There was a, a preprint recently published that found that uh, the CDC's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report claimed that masks had a 75% efficacy rate at the time, despite the fact that of the studies they used, only 30% of the studies actually tested masks, and less than 15% had any statistically significant results. In other words, the CDC had absolutely no data showing that masks were effective, yet they claimed publicly that uh, uh, they were 75% effective. Now, the, none of the studies were, were actually randomized, yet the CDC, in over half of their studies for the Morbidity and Mortality Report, made misleading statements about the casual relationship between mask wearing and the de decrease of the COVID-19 cases or transmission. In other words, they're just making stuff up. They are. They're, they're making stuff up. Now, I wonder just how many people believed the CDC when it said that masks are 75% effective. Based on the number of people I saw wearing face diapers for, what is it, two and a half years, a lot of them did. And a lot of corporations and a lot of businesses and a lot of families went through a lot because they, they believed the CDC that was lying to them. 
You see, and then other regulatory agencies, under the direction or guidance of the CDC lie, tried to force people to wear masks in direct violation of the Constitution of the United States, meaning those acts were void. I've told the story multiple times about uh, going to a, um, a, uh, uh, I was in a book fair in, a, in another county, and uh, that county passed a mask mandate. And I told them, I don't care, it's illegal. And I had proof. So you have people that, that don't understand the Constitution using false, falsified data to infringe on the rights of the American people. But we didn't know it. Most people didn't know anybody. They were not prepared to defend and assert their rights. And you know what? They shouldn't have had to. Well, they should have to. But so much of this is, should never have really existed. Why? Well, because the CDC doesn't legally exist. I know it's there. There's buildings. It has a budget. They spend you know billions and billions of dollars every year. But they don't legally exist. Why? Look all you want. Public health is not a power delegated to the United States. Therefore, the, the legislation that created the CDC, which is not an interstate commerce uh, uh, entity, it is strictly a public health entity, yet that act was not made pursuant to the Constitution. It was therefore unconstitutional. It, it, that means it is void. So the CDC never should have been around to say, hey, look at this fake data. But Paul, if we don't have the CDC, how are we going to get our information? The same way we did before we had a CDC. You look at state agencies, the state agencies can talk to each other, they can share information, they can challenge each other. So if a state agency, say the state of New York, public health agency says, oh, look at these, these masks work. And the, uh, the public health agency of, say, Nebraska says, where's your data? Let me look at it. That's garbage. That's crap. What do we listen to this nonsense for? The very idea that the CDC is there, I mean, that may have been their original charter to help the public health, but that's not the way it works anymore because we gave them power and we left them alone. Power they never legally had. I don't care what the CDC says. Nothing the CDC says is legally binding because it does not legally exist. And anybody telling me they can take away my rights because the CDC said so, they need an education. Hopefully a polite one. But that's what we deal with. We're told that the only way to do this is with another federal regulatory agency that doesn't legally exist because it doesn't have any legal powers because we never gave those powers to the United States in the first place. And then years later, sometimes decades, we find out now, guess what? They are promoting large, large pharmaceuticals, especially the vaccine manufacturers. They are promoting lies for a political agenda. And you know what? Nobody seems to ever be held accountable. It was a Rochelle Walensky recently retired. I guess her term was up at the CDC. I haven't seen any criminal charges against her. I haven't seen any impeachment for, uh, uh, for the malfeasance of lying to the American people. But she, you know, she had a, a salary. She got plenty there. Same thing with Anthony Fauci, the NIH, the entire federal public health in, uh, industry doesn't legally exist. But yet how much of that has that ruined our lives over the last several years? 
Then I saw this uh, th another article. Uh, this is a commentary, basically, on regulations from housing and urban development um, the, 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 that they're interfering. It violates a prohibition on interfering with local zoning laws. How about the fact that housing and urban development doesn't legally exist? You see, HUD, I guess, has proposed a new uh, rule entitled Affirmatively Furthering Fair Housing, and the idea is they want to force neighborhoods to offer so much housing, you know, play with, play with their zoning laws in order to uh, get the, the housing demographics that HUD wants. HUD doesn't legally exist. The regulations do not have the rule of law. They don't have the force of law. They are, whenever they're enforced, they are done so illegally. Because doing so violates the supreme law of the land, the Constitution of the United States. That's why I said we have to learn this because, trust me, your law enforcement agents aren't learning this. Your politicians aren't learning. We need to learn this so that we can teach them. Now, I have to take a break. But before I do, you know, we were talking about the CDC and, and masks. You know what does work? What, 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 well, at least it worked for me when it came to dealing with COVID. It's having a strong immune system. Now, one of the tools I use is Healthy Cells Immune Super Boost. It combines over a dozen immune supplements in a single, easy-to-use, travel-ready gel pack. Now, as an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off of any of Healthy Cells products. All you have to do is use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. So please, go to americaoutloud.shop, find the Healthy Cell card, click on it. It gives you all the instructions. Big thing is, use that code OUTLOUD at checkout. Let's know that you listen to America Out Loud, and as a thank you, you get 25% off your first order. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait, we wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R dot com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. 
Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. If you join the Constitution study, we're talking about the power of our regulatory agencies. Well, actually, I want to switch to some law enforcement agencies for a moment because it does, just because an agency may legally exist doesn't mean it's anywhere within its legal bounds. Take, for example, the FBI. Now, FBI Director uh, Christopher Wray recently testified, I should say, perjured himself before Congress. Uh, he lied to Congress. Uh, one of the things saying that uh, he said that the FBI does not uh, work with uh, social media to censor information. That's a flat-out lie. And there's evidence, right? We've got the, the Twitter files. In fact, we've got new Twitter files that show the FBI asking for the removal of multiple accounts from Twitter to have them immediately suspended and shut down because, well, according to the, federal, to the FBI, they're spreading misinformation, information the government doesn't like. See, this has this little thing called the First Amendment that says, guess what? You cannot regulate what people say. And for anybody out there saying, Paul, you can't yell, yell falsely crawl fire, yell, yell fire in a crowded theater. Um, that's not true. You can falsely yell uh, fire in a crowded theater, but you're going to suffer the consequences. I think it's, uh, was it Schleck, I think, is, or Schneck, I think, is a, is a case that, that dealt with this, where, by the way, which had nothing to do with fire or theaters. But it said that uh, you could you could no long you, you could not use the First Amendment to protect you from such abuse of your of your rights as to falsely cry fire in a in a crowded theater, therefore you know, leading to injury and and, uh, and deprivation of of rights under uh, or I should say of, of property and and liberty. So um, yeah, the, the federal government has no authority to determine what is and is not misinformation, or at least to censor information they don't like. They're more than happy to come, that's wrong, and here's the proof, but they cannot censor information they don't like. But that's exactly what the FBI has been caught with its hands in the proverbial cookie jar doing, while Director Ray lied to the American people saying, oh, no, no, we don't, we don't do that. This is a long list of lies coming out of the FBI and other law enforcement arms within the federal government. So the question becomes, what do we do? I have my thoughts. There's a bill going through Congress for the FBI's budget. Uh, they're talking about trimming a billion dollars out of that budget. That's a start. I have a better idea. How about we start restricting the FBI to its constitutionally authorized uh, uh, powers? Meeting. The FBI has no law enforcement jurisdiction outside of federal land, with the exception of violations of actual federal laws that are made pursuant to the Constitution. Ladies and gentlemen, kidnapping, murder, hate crimes, these are not federal crimes because these are not, the, the power to regulate them are not delegated to the United States. These cannot be federal 
crimes. Maybe if we took the FBI back to its actual legitimate purpose, then we'd have less problem with them trying to intimidate social media companies or even colluding with social media companies. Because let's face it, you remove power from these agencies, it's harder for them to commit these criminal activities. A lot of them exist because we have allowed them to grow far beyond their legal boundaries. And since we're talking about the uh, um, law enforcement, what's going on with the cocaine found in the White House? Why is it we've got, was it four different reports of where the cocaine was found? Why is it, you know, the, the, the FBI simply, I'm sorry, the Secret Service simply gave up on the investigation, claiming there were, there were no fingerprints when, guess what? There are now reports that there were fingerprints on the, on the baggie that had the cocaine in it. In fact, uh, according to, uh, to one source, security source, um, they know who handled the baggie. They've known it for at least a week or two. But now we're saying, oh, no, we have no idea. There's nothing we can do about it. Now, listen, the Secret Service has a primary function of uh, preventing counter counterfeiting. Believe it or not, that's actually the purpose of Secret Service. It's not primarily to guard the president. That's was something added to them. It's to protect us against counterfeiting, which is a, a legal authority. Uh, you know, it's, it's a power delegated to the United States. Fine. Guarding the president. Okay, I can actually see that. Listen, we've had you know, we've had presidents assassinated. Some were attempted to be assassinated. Having some security for them, I don't know if the Treasury Department's the best place to do it, but I don't see that as being the a violation of the Constitution. There, there, there's the 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 act of protecting the president would logically come out of having a president in the first place. But I'm sitting here wondering, here you have the White House. Now, that's in Washington, D.C. That is a federal city, meaning the FBI has jurisdiction. The Secret Service should have jurisdiction. But who's holding them accountable? You know, we, we, you, could, you could find the, they could find the, the grandma across the country who walked through the Capitol on January 6th, but they can't find somebody who is in the White House where they've got even more, I understand, even more surveillance than they do on Capitol Hill? Why have these become untrusted? I believe because the Secret Service, in many ways, have become the Praetorian Guard of the President. In other words, it's, it's like they don't see protecting the President as a service to the country, but as a service to the person. And when protecting the reputation of the President comes before and above protecting the Constitution of the United States and laws of the United States, well, then that agency has is, is, is lost its way. Maybe it's another agency that needs to have its, its, its mission focused by having money taken away, by recognizing the limitations of the Secret Service. Maybe then the Secret Service could focus on its actual legitimate purposes and do them better than playing, you know, political games with the uh, with substances found in the White House. Now, one of the things I, I think most people don't often realize is that in many ways, our, our tension is driven towards Washington, D.C., I believe, to distract us from the malfeasance going on in our state and local governments. 
I'm not saying the fe the federal government doesn't have lots of problems. I talk a lot about the federal problems, but um, there's a lot going on in the states, and I think we miss it because we are so focused on uh, on Washington D.C. For example, there's a the California state legislature, which has a recent history of just absolutely trashing people's rights. Um, well, they're looking to amend the California Penal Code, uh, Section 17.3. They want to add, um, it is the intent of the legislature to rectify the racial bias that has historically permeated our criminal justice system as documented by the California Task Force to study and develop reparations proposals for African Americans. Whenever the court has discretion to determine the amount of sense, the appropriate sentence according to relevant statutes and sentencing rules for the Judicial Council, the court presiding over a criminal matter shall consider the disparate impact on historically disenfranchised and system-impacted populations. In other words, California wants to become a race, racist when it comes to sentencing criminals. First of all, I find it ridiculous that the idea of you rectify racial bias by by applying racial bias. They say there's been racial bias historically permeated the, the judicial system. Where is the proof? This California task force to study and develop reparations, their purpose is to find ways to get to, to, to bribe the, the, the blacks in California, to give them money. That, that's their purpose. It's to, to find a way to give them money, the, the quote-unquote reparations. So you sit there and you say, well, okay, it's not surprising they're going to find racial bias. Where was it? And if a family, if, if, if a family, if an individual, you can prove there was racial bias in their sentencing, then deal with that. But to turn around and say, well, let's see, we had two young men, uh, they committed a, a crime X, the punishment is is five to ten years in jail. Uh, we're going to give the white guy ten years. We're going to give the black guy five years. Why? They committed the exact same crime, doing the exact same thing. Oh well, you see, the blacks had been had been treated badly in the past, so we're going to punish the white guy for something he didn't do. If you're surprised by this, you obviously haven't been paying attention to what's been going on in California. This is kind of their their modus operandi. They have become such a racist nation, a racist state that everything is, uh, you know, if you're white, if you're a white uh, heterosexual male in California, you don't, your rights are half of, a, a, of the rest of them. Your rights are diminished simply because you're white, you're a male, and you prefer the same sex or the opposite sex, I should say. Um, that's California. And then they wonder why people are leaving California in droves. California has beautiful weather. They have beautiful scenery. They, 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 they can grow food like nobody's business. And people are fleeing. Because in California, apparently the only people you can discriminate against are white male Christians. Well, let's go to the other coast, the exact opposite coast. See, the governor of Maine recently signed a bill uh, allowing teenagers to get cross-sex hormones without, the parent, uh, without parental consent. Now, at least Maine limited to 16 and 17 years old, right? They're not talking little kids. But according to LD-539, what they call the Act Regarding Consent for Gender-Affirming Hormone Therapy uh, for Certain Minors, by the way, 
that's already mistitled because it's gender-denying hormone therapy. The, the, the law states that a healthcare professional may provide gender-affirming hormone therapy and follow-up care to a minor without obtaining the consent of the parent or guardian of the, of the minor. This healthcare provider, I don't think, can provide an aspirin to that minor without the parent's consent, but you're going to give them cross-sex hormones that, that, can, that can permanently change the, the person, the, their body. That can can make them infertile for the rest of their life. That has long term damaging consequences. And by the way, to my knowledge, does not ha- has not been long term tested. We don't know the long term impacts of this. See, this is the regulatory agencies at work at the state level. We're just going to experiment on our kids again. We did it with COVID. Now we're doing it with with uh, the quote unquote transgenders. Those who claim to be gender dysphoric, we're going to medically experiment on them. And we're going to keep the parents out of the loop. Gee, you'd almost think that the government, those in government, think that the kids belong to government, not to the parents. That, that the government gets to decide what is best for the kids, not the parents. That the government is the parent. Now, there's a agent, it's not technically a regulatory agency, but it certainly acts like one. And that's our quote-unquote, public school system, our government school system. Let's go back across the, the, the country to California. You've got the Glendale Unified School District in, Southern, in SoCal. They suspended two students last year for misgendering a teacher. That's right. Freedom of speech in California is dead. They threw them out because they misgendered a teacher. They also had the students go through restorative justice. Now, there may be a little bit of mischief going on in here from the school standpoint. Because according to reports back in May of last year, um, the, school, the students entered the classroom of a transgender teacher that they, did not, they were not attending that class. In other words, they didn't belong there. And um, they, they addressed the teacher, quote, unquote, incorrectly. And uh, that's what initiated this. They, they admitted that they were... Um, they were curious about this pervert. The, I don't know if it was a dude wearing girls' clothes or a lady wearing guy. I don't know. Whatever it is, they were curious and uh, they acted like teenagers, and they got suspended. Now, let me ask you: if um, if I were to walk into that school district, pointing out as I say that um, you know transgenderism is a mental problem, not a physical one. That what they're talking that it's actually gender denying care. If they were to call me transphobe, does that mean I could have them suspended from for misapplying a pronoun to me? Well, it's actually an adverb, but an adjective. I mean, could could I have them suspended because what they said hurt my feelings? No. Well, then why can they do it because they used the wrong? They used the English appropriate pronoun. Right? It's not the wrong pronoun. It is the accurate English pronoun for that person. And as punishment, and not only being suspended, they're basically going through a re-education training. Well, they call it restorative practices, restorative justice. It's re-education. Your, your thought processes do not line up with the government-approved narrative. Therefore, you must be indoctrinated properly. I wonder how many people in California are more worried about Dylan Mulvaney than they are about what's happening 
in their own backyard. I wonder how many are more worried about that uh, was a fake admiral than what's happening in their own school districts. They're more worried about uh, uh, you know hurting someone's feeling in Washington D.C. than they are the actual re-education of children to ignore the, the the structures of the English language because that's what California wants them to to believe how California wants them to act. I wonder how many. Now, listen, I I do have to take another break. Before I go, though, I hope you'll head over to the website constitutionstudy.com. Uh, in addition to all the work that I do here on the on America Out Loud, I've got my own website, constitutionstudy.com. I'm actually going through an update. It's going to be new in, in a couple weeks. Should be really, I'm excited about what I want to offer there. But the the big thing is you can sign up for my mailing list. You can ask a question. I want, I'm still looking for more questions that I can ask on the radio program. So go to constitutionstudy.com, click the ask a question button, fill out the form, just hit the checkbox that says, you want me to answer it on America Out Loud Talk Radio, and I'll be happy to do that. And while you're at it, I hope you'll swing by AmericaOutloud.news every day to see what's going on. Find out the latest news from multiple points of view. See, it's more important than ever that we take this information and we share it, that we expose others because that's exactly what the censors are trying to stop. So let's expose our friends, our neighbors, our family to the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and the videos because by doing so, by exposing people to other viewpoints and other possibilities. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how we help secure the blessings of liberty. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Well, the out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. A wide spectrum of programming from world and political news to societal, your health, and cultural stories. Seven amazing years of news stories, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. Welcome back, everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution study today. Well, we're talking about the power of our regulatory agencies, and we've kind of expanded it beyond that a bit as we're looking at the, the whole regulation process, the process by which government, which was 
in this country created to serve the people basically is regulating every aspect of their lives they can. We've already taken a look at at the, the CDC and, and HUD, you know, regulatory agencies out of the federal government. We've looked at some of what's going on in some of our states as well and uh, how we get so focused on Washington, D.C., we forget that, well, there are regulatory agencies and and orders coming out of the states as well that are, well, just as unconstitutional and just as injurious to our rights and liberties. Now, this is another, another story I came across. This one comes out of Boston, uh, specifically Mayor Michelle Wu out of, out of Boston. Now, she's having, uh, well, let's say she's facing some criticism. Now, why is this? Well, uh, apparently, um, I guess she's made what the Nixonians used to call uh, an enemies list. Let's go to the whole story. So apparently, uh, Ms. Wu has been harassed lately, um, claims of, of physical intimidation for the last several months outside of her home, at different city functions, even in, in neighborhood parks and other public events. In response to this, the the Boston Police Department asked her to put together a list of, well, people who may want to do something like this to her. Now, this is uh, this, of course, may raise some concerns, right? Is Wu going to take this opportunity to throw in, um, say, some political enemies that she would like to have intimidated a bit as well? I don't know yet. It's one of those things where I keep telling people, you have to read past the headline. Because the headline in the New York Post was that the mayor is under fire after sending a list of critics and protesters to the police. The problem is, if she was physically intimidated, if there were uh, threats made, then the police, in trying to figure out who it was, would obviously want to know, well, are there people that might want to do something like this to you? It you, you kind of see where I'm going here. The question is, will this leave an opportunity for a politician to take political advantage of such a situation? Now, apparently, several people on the list um, were uh, uh, they interrupted the Dorchester Day Parade. Um, they used megaphones and 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 things to. Um, I guess yell at her and and her family and her staff and what and others and uh, what the what the Boston Police Department wanted was they wanted to have better security for an uh, an upcoming event. This is the Dorchester Day was June fifth. They had another parade on uh, Bunker Hill Day, June twelfth. They wanted to make sure they were prepared. So just as I warn about an overactive regulatory state, we have to make sure that we aren't a little overactive or, or jumping to conclusions in um, our complaining about government actors. Now, listen, I don't know Ms. Wu. I haven't followed her career. I don't know if she uh, is the type of person or has a history of um, using uh, such political intimidation tactics. I don't know. But it is worth keeping an eye on to make sure that in the attempt to deal with actual potential criminality, we don't sweep everybody else up along with that as well. Now, what's interesting is in so many of these, it's the consequences of the people we have chosen to represent us. It's the consequences of elections. 
it's why elections are so important. It's why they need to be free, fair, and transparent. At least that's my standard for them. It's also why, um, you know, I think it's important not simply that we vote, but how we decide who to vote for. These are all issues that uh, become of great importance. Now, we've been dealing with, uh, with about two and a half years now, the fallout of the 2020 election and, and the issues and concerns that were part of that. We saw them again in 2022, and um, it's really driving a lack of confidence in our electoral system. Take this report. Um, the America First Policy Institute found that there was a discrepancy between the number of people who voted and the number of ballots that were counted. There, was, there, were, there were more ballots counted than people who voted. That, that right off the bat says there's a problem. Uh, you know, does, you know, donkey, elephant, pro, con, if there are more ballots counted than people who voted, there is a problem. Now, here's the in a couple of interesting things with it. And again, it's 2022 election. More than the difference is more than eight thousand votes. In fact, it's eight thousand two hundred and forty-one. That is almost thirty times the difference in the uh, attorney's gen attorney general's race for that election. See, the uh, Chris Mays won by only two hundred eighty votes. We're talking over eight thousand that were additional votes. Now, how many of those were cast were? Who, which ones are the extras? Were they the ones that voted for Mr. Mays or for his opponent? We don't know. But when you think about it, when we talk about, uh, I talk about the fact that every election starts in a county. You have a county election board. The county holds elections. Yes, they will often break them up into precincts, but it's the counties that are doing the elections. And those county officials, well, many of them are elected. And I have to wonder, are we paying enough attention to the, 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 the entities that are regulating the elections at the county level? Seems in Arizona, at least in part of it, or I should say in Maricopa County, uh, the agency overseeing this is um, not doing a very good job. Now, again, I don't know why there were overcounts. And I specifically said overcounted. I've seen scenarios where there were more ballots cast than were actually people there, but many of them that's because a ballot got spoiled and replaced, right? So you go in, you're filling out a ballot, you screw it up, they give you, they, they mark that one as void, they give you another one, and you do that one right. Well, it, it, those you didn't have two ballots counted, even though you had two ballots issued. So I'm not talking about, they're talking about counted. And really, if we can't handle a, uh, an election at the county level, how can we trust anything that goes on? How can you trust the state numbers if the county numbers are wrong? It's one of the reasons why I encourage people to be involved with a county elections board. It's one of the reasons why I've, uh, uh, I haven't done as much probably as I should but I have reached out to to work with our county elections board just to understand, to, to see uh, what's going on and, well, offer whatever advice I can to see what could be done better. So that ultimately the goal is I want the loser to accept the outcome of the elections. Right? If the loser says, you know what, I lost, 
There, there's, there's no, there's no obvious shenanigans. There's no problems here. We did it as free and fair as possible, and I lost. That to me is a successful election. I think most, uh, most elections should have some audits. Right, audits are run. Uh, maybe we find a couple of of problems, hopefully small problems that can be resolved in future elections. That's it. That's what I want. But rather than looking at Washington, D.C. to fix this mess, to create another regulatory agency to oversee this, how about we pay attention to our counties? Again, you take care of your county, I take care of my county, then the rest of the problems really start disappearing. But whether the, you know, the, the big other thing about elections is those elections have consequences. There are consequences for the decisions we make. There are consequences for the people we elect to represent us. And we have to learn to live with those consequences. I know we don't want to, right? We, it, it, it's somebody else's fault, but we have to live with the consequences. Now, one of the consequences that uh, Californians are, are living with, well, actually started 10 years ago with their cap and trade program. Now, there's a couple of uh, outcomes from this. And basically, what California did is they set limits on the amount of carbon that could be produced by certain companies. And if they exceed those limits, well, they call them credits. They say you have to buy credits from the state government. It's a tax, right? It's just a fancy name for a tax. Because all, you know, some people say, well, you know, this will, this will mean that polluting companies pay more. No. This is a cash cow for government. Right? Because they know that uh, um, it, it's very difficult for many industries to to make drastic changes. So for ten years, you know, you could have you have a choice. You could spend money to to retrofit your equipment to make it less polluting. Maybe that's not even physically possible. Or you pay the government off in these tax credits. Of course, then the ta- the, the the government gets more money. And they're supposed to use it to do things like decarbonization and other things to help improve the environment. Um, It's a cash cow. But here's the other thing. All of these companies trying to meet the the thing, the the carbon limit or or that are paying these credits, well, that means it costs more for them to do business in California. Hmm. Now, where do you think these companies are going to get that money to actually pay the extra freight in California? You're right. They're going to charge the customers, which means things are more expensive or things are just not as readily available. Now, the uh, uh, economists point to this cap and trade cost as contributing to things like, well, the increased price of gasoline and diesel fuels. There are, you know, California already had some of the most expensive fuel in the nation. Well, now they just make it more expensive. And, and it, this by, by extension, will add cost to pretty much everything because it's eventually going to rely on transportation. You know, that dishwasher, that, that, that uh, um, new television set, um, even the food that you buy had to be transported, most likely it's transported by a diesel truck which is now paying more for diesel fuel, which means the cost of transportation goes up. And the people in California, well, you have to live with the mess that you've made. You you are the ones that 
hired the representatives that put this cap and trade program in place that have allowed it to perpetuate that allowed the government again they call them tax credits this is a this is just another government fee it's another tax it's an excise on uh, producing plant food because remember carbon dioxide is plant food and could it be one of the reasons why california is losing so much population yes and i have to admit part of me thinks that californians should suffer the consequences of their decisions no not because i'm angry at them and i want them to suffer i want them to learn their lesson there's no such thing as a free lunch if you charge for certain things it's going to be more expensive and you're going to get less of it what you subsidize you get more of what you tax you get less of that's just the nature not just of economics but of humanity and it's the regulatory power in california the their clean air board that is doing this but that clean air board was was created by the people of california because let's face it a lot of southern california had a lot of smog problems decades ago now they're regulating not smog but plant food and if this is what the the people of california want well then they should be willing to suffer the consequences and if it's not what they want, well, then maybe it's about time they start hiring representatives that will be a little more attuned to what the people of California want. Or maybe they're just completely disconnected from reality and say, oh, no, 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 the, the high prices have nothing to do with all these other regulations we put in place. It's it's just magic. It's, it's greedy corporations. Yeah, more likely it's greedy citizens. So let's go back to the question. How do we deal with all of this? I think the first thing we need to do is we need to hire representatives that are going to look at the constitutionality of each and every program of each and every regulatory agency and decide, can I find at the at the federal level, can I find a power in the Constitution of the United States that authorizes us to do this? If the answer is no, you defund it and you eliminate it. You want to get rid of, you want to fix our budget deficit? There you go. Find all these unconstitutional agencies, defund them. And, and and eliminate them. Now, for those of you who think, well, well, then who's going to pick up the, the, the slack? What are they were doing? It moves to the state level, meaning it's not going to save you taxes. It's just going to move it from the federal government to the state government. But you have more say over state government than you do over the federal government. You have more impact. So that's actually a good thing in the long run. And then you can decide as a group of citizens, do we want these regulations or not? Are we willing to... Um, are we willing to pay the pain of having uh, you know, these these this tax this cap and trade program in California? And oh, by the way, how about you not export it to the rest of the country? You let the country rest of the country look at at your program and decide if it's good enough for them to adopt on their own. So that's federalism. That's the distributed government that our our framers created, and that's what in many cases what we've lost either because we've gotten lazy or we just know that the federal government is the big dog in the room and they can bully people into doing what they want. Either way, I think it would behoove us to take some time, consider just how much of our lives are regulated by some regulatory agency or another, and ask yourself, is that really the best way to do it? it because as much as the American people want to, to impose their will on others, there are others trying to impose their will on us. I guess put another way, 
Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Where have I heard that one before? I guess another way to put it is, a government that's large enough to give you everything that you want is large enough to take everything you have. And if that's something that bothers you, well, maybe you'll come back and join us here for the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. If you can't listen then, that's okay. Every episode goes to podcasts generally a day or two after they're heard on talk radio, and you can listen on your favorite podcast app. But do me a favor. Subscribe to the show. Leave a rating, a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. See, it helps other people find the Constitution Study, and maybe they'll give us a try. Of course, you can always share the links to these programs. Just go to americaoutloud.news. You'll find all the links you need right there on the homepage. See, if we share this information, we share this, this news and points of view, we also share the blessings of liberty. <laughs>